Since we weren't in Revelation over uh, the weekend, I'm going to do a message tonight out of Ephesians chapter 3, and then we'll be back in Revelation on the weekend, Revelation 20, and then next Wednesday we'll do an an in-depth study. Thanks for all of your feedback. Uh, Last Wednesday I asked how you are enjoying the format, and if you'd like for it to continue with Romans, with doing the weekend study and the Wednesday night uh, in depth. And so it was overwhelmingly that you're enjoying the new format. Uh, so, so thanks for that feedback. So we will do that for the book of Romans as well, where we'll, what we're studying on the weekend, we'll look in depth on uh, a Wednesday night. So looking forward to going to Romans after uh, Revelation. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Ephesians 3, verse 14. If you'd read with me our text... And then we will pray together and get into God's word. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You've probably had a busy day. There's probably a lot on your mind. So let's give our cares to the Lord. Let's give our burdens to the Lord and quiet our hearts and ask that he would speak to us this evening. So so Father, we thank you that you love us, that you know us, that you're here with us, that you hear our prayers. And we do give you our thanksgiving. We worship you, Jesus, because you are with us. Thank you, Father, that you've accepted us and forgiven us. We give you our cares. We give you our concerns. Cast your burdens upon the one who cares for you. And God, would you teach us to pray? Would you take us deeper this year into fellowship with you? We invite you here, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. I think you'd agree that we live in some desperate times, some difficult uh, times. It it seems there will be a breakthrough, there'll be a change, but oftentimes there's more confusion and more uh, discouragement. Discouragement on every level. Discouragement on what's happening globally, what's happening nationally in our country, what's happening locally in our city, and, and challenges in our own lives. And I can't think of a better time to respond to the Lord in prayer. Since the new year, my heart has really been stirred in this area of prayer. Prayer doesn't come the most natural uh, to me. I know for some, prayer comes very easily uh, for them. For me, prayer is much more of a spiritual discipline. Not that I don't uh, enjoy it, but time in the Word comes a lot more natural to me in prayer. But I want to grow in prayer. I want to understand more uh, the value of of prayer. We see in the life of Jesus how important prayer was to him. He only lived for 33 years here on the earth. 
God in, in human flesh. And so much of his time was spent alone with the Father in prayer. And that's only what's documented for us. Not even all of the things that, that aren't documented. To where the disciples would minister with Jesus and Jesus would spend all day teaching and healing and, and having all of the sick and the lame. Can, could you imagine everybody that had a problem in Colorado Springs coming to your doorstep? And Jesus is just pouring out and pouring out. And yet, the next morning, he gets up. The Bible says, long before the sun comes up. If I'm Jesus, I'm thinking, this is a good day to sleep in. This is a good day to, to get some rest. But, but Jesus got up early and went and was alone with the Father. He was always craving time to be alone with the Father. All of eternity past, Jesus had enjoyed fellowship with the Father. Now as he's here on the earth, it's different. We don't know exactly how it's different, but it has to be different. And he wanted to spend that time with the Father. To where when the disciples wanted to learn one thing from Jesus, it was, Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to do miracles. Teach us how to teach. I think for most pastors in ministry today, we'd be asking Jesus, can you Show me how to be a better communicator of of your word. There's so many lectures on the way that Jesus taught and how we can incorporate that in teaching. But I've, I've very rarely heard at a pastor's conference, let's adopt the prayer life of Jesus. It was important to Christ. And the disciples started to hunger for prayer where Jesus said, this is how you pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. It would better be described as the disciples' prayer. It's for the disciples. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We don't pray that prayer out of rote memory, out of of habit, but heartfelt, making it our own. But it's a great pattern to be able to pray. Also, we see in the book of Acts, in the apostles, the importance of prayer. The church is growing, the needs in the church are growing to where the apostles say we've got to have more leaders, we've got to have more more servants so that we can devote ourselves to prayer and the word. I don't think the disciples were above serving. I think they considered themselves to be bond servants, would meet practical needs, but they saw the priority of prayer and the word. The importance of the word, but also the importance of prayer. Paul, in all of his letters, we're going to study one of the prayers of Paul uh, this evening. He's emphasizing to all of the churches how he was praying for them. If we were to have dinner with the Apostle Paul tonight, I think he would share with us that one of the greatest things that he could do for the church was pray. Because he lived that out. And do we believe that about prayer, that the greatest way that we could impact one another, encourage one another, is through prayer. If Paul were to share with us how God would want to reach the lost, I think he would emphasize prayer. As he was going into these communities with the Gospels, he went with an attitude of prayer. Paul, when he lists his suffering, which is quite a list, quite a resume, at the very end he put, and the constant care of the churches. It was this burden of prayer to pray for the churches. 
What I love about these prayers that we find in the Bible is it gives us an opportunity to grow in prayer. Have you ever wondered, well, what do I pray about? How do I pray for this person that I love? We're able to take sections of scripture like this and begin to pray it in and to say, I'm going to adopt some of these truths and these principles that I find here. But more than anything else tonight, I would hope that you're stirred for a hunger for fellowship with God, that you're stirred to, to go deeper in prayer, that we like the disciples would begin to ask of the Lord, Lord, would you teach me to pray? What would happen to Rocky Mountain Calvary if we grew as a praying church? What would happen to the people of God in Colorado Springs if there was a a movement of prayer? What would happen in the the United States if we humbled ourselves and we cried out to the Lord that, that God would meet us? So let's jump into this in verse 14 of Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, for for this reason, because I want to see these things happen in the church of Ephesus, I'm going to get on my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's times for our body to come in alignment with what our heart is experiencing. Paul has adoration for God. He has humility before God. And so he gets on his knees. He allows his body to come into alignment. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to get distracted in prayer, almost more so than than anything else. I start praying and I start thinking about all of the things that I need to do. I, I don't know where it comes from, but I become very aware of, I need to email this person. I need to text this person. I need to, the list goes, goes on and on. All of a sudden, my phone is too close to me when I'm going to the Lord in prayer and I find myself reading the news, reading sports, get, getting distracted online. And so when I allow my body to come in alignment with the attitude of my heart, it's easier to focus of getting on my knees before the Lord. Or I really enjoy going for walks. For some reason, if I'm, I'm walking and talking with the Lord, people may think I'm crazy. But now that there's Bluetooth technology, they probably just think I'm on the phone, Right? I'm on the phone with the Lord, calling out uh, to, to the Lord. But there's something about just doing something with my body to engage with my heart, where my heart is at with prayer. It's not a have to. You can pray without getting on your knees. You can pray without going for a walk, but it may be helpful as we grow in prayer. Notice that his prayer is directed to the Father. He understands this relationship that he has with God in prayer. Romans 8 tells us that we've been adopted as the children of God, where we get to cry out, Abba, Father. You may be familiar with this, but this is unique to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel embrace God as Lord, the all-powerful one, Lord, his majesty, which is, is appropriate. But Jesus brings us into the father relationship with God, where we're adopted children of of God. To where when Jesus rose from the dead and reveals himself to Mary Magdalene, what does he say? I'm going to my father and your father. He accomplished his mission through his death and resurrection, through the gospel, that we could be the children of God. 
make sure prayer is relational. <laughs> make sure that you understand, man, you're coming to your dad who loves you, to, to your father, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named. We're part of a great family, aren't we? And some are in heaven. Some are home with the Lord. Those that we read about in the scriptures, those that we study in church history, but a lot more personally, family and friends. Believers that have gone home before us. The family in heaven, but also the family of God here on earth. Through all of the trials and difficulties of the last couple of years, I think we've come to appreciate the family of God in a greater way. Brothers and sisters in Christ, not just Rocky Mountain Calvary, but, but all believers, those that trust and, and know the Lord. So here's the first thing that Paul prays, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. He desires that the church of Ephesus would be strengthened in their inner man through the power of the Holy Spirit. What's interesting about the inner man, it's the part of us that can't be seen. It's the mind. It's the emotion. It's the will. It's, it's our spirit. And we know how to keep up outward facades while our inward man is completely destroyed. While our inward man is, is weary. We can play the game pretty well. I can play the game pretty well. But God sees, and he sees our weariness in our inner man. And he desires to strengthen our, our inner man. As I observe my life, as I observe my family, as I observe our church, our, our church family, our, our community, I'm seeing a lot of weary people in their inner man. Where we're just tired. We're just wore out. We're, we're stretched thin. I was listening to the news today and it was talking about our educational system and schools all across the country are having difficulty just keeping their doors open because teachers are sick, but not only teachers, but principals and, and janitors. So then this puts a, a big burden on substitute teachers and there's a huge need for substitute teachers. I talked with a board member of District 11 this week, and he said, if you could please let your church know, we need substitute teachers. So if you've got a heart for kids and you've got a heart for our community, it's something that you could look, look into. But the school system is just stretched and, and challenged. Like it wasn't hard enough to be a, a teacher two and a half years ago. <laughs> Like the medical system is, is stretched thin. And what a challenging time to be a doctor or a nurse. Our local police department's having a hard time finding people that want to be police officers, unfortunately. Our law enforcement is stretched thin. Marriages are, are challenged. It's been a, a tough time on students, especially those that are juniors and seniors, trying to figure out education and all of the different hoops that they have to, to jump through and classes, classes going online. And last time I checked, Satan's an opportunist. So he's like, he knows things are challenging, so he's attacking more. And all of this creates a bed that's fertile for us to be able to experience the strength of the Lord 
that comes into our inner man. It really ties in with what Rich shared out of Isaiah 40 this weekend. As we wait upon the Lord, that our strength is renewed. As we worship the Lord, our strength is renewed. Many throughout scripture felt this same need. Moses was weary in his inner man and expressed his weariness to the Lord. Jeremiah, the prophet's like, God, I feel like you're kicking me in the teeth. I feel absolutely hopeless. David in the Psalms expresses his his weariness. So we're in good company if we're weary in our inner man. But there is a solution, and that is that we could be strengthened, notice, through his spirit. And oftentimes we don't understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus talked of the Holy Spirit as our teacher and our helper. Do you need the help of the Holy Spirit? We also know that the Holy Spirit empowers with with dynamite type of power. There's a strength of God that is beyond ourselves that comes through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So this is something to pray for one another, to pray for RMC, to pray over your family and your kids and, and over our community that we would be strengthened in our inner man through the Holy Spirit. To come before the Lord, Lord, I'm weak. I need you to strengthen my mind. I need you to strengthen my emotions. Holy Spirit, helper, would you come in and would you strengthen me? And notice that God's able to do it. There's an emphasis here that says, according to the riches of his glory, or out of his riches and glory. So God's not outdone by the challenges of today. God is not outdone by the difficulties in my life. And he has the riches, according to his glory, to be able to provide strength. And as we wait upon him, and as we worship, and we request that strength, he gives that strength in our inner man. The second thing that Paul prays for, there's a prayer for strength, and then there's a prayer for fellowship in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now this is really interesting, this this prayer for fellowship with Christ, because we know that Paul is writing to believers, so Christ already lives in them. He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. So why would he say that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith? Because this word dwell, it literally means that Christ would be at home in your life. That there wouldn't be anything in our lives that would make Christ feel uncomfortable. There's some friends, family members that you may have that you're so comfortable with that you don't necessarily have to clean their ha- your house before they come. Aren't those great friends? They're like, hey, I'm going to stop by. Great, the house is a mess. Oh, don't, don't worry about it. And there's other friends, and they're good friends, but you're like, man, so-and-so's coming over. Oh, we, we, better, we better clean the house. It's that Christ would have that kind of closeness of fellowship with us. And that... Our lives wouldn't be hidden from the Lord and that there wouldn't be things in our lives that don't please the Lord. So if we start to think about all of these different aspects of our lives, is is there a certain portion of my life where Christ is not welcomed or he's not at home? 
Berg, he's going, ah, those choices that you're making, Eric, I, I can't fellowship with that because I'm light and that, that's darkness. So it's really a, a calling out of darkness into light so that we can have fellowship with the Lord in a greater way. What's at stake with sin? Well, one of the things that's on the line with sin is our intimacy with Christ. It's our closeness and our fellowship with him. Not that he leaves us, not that he forsakes us, but because he loves us, he's saying, Eric, I can't fellowship with you the way that I would like because of this compromise in your life. So part of the fulfillment of this prayer is that we're convicted over sin, that we repent of our sin, turn from sin, come out of darkness into the light so that Christ can can fellowship with us in a greater way. It may be a calling out of pornography. It may be a calling out of anger. It may be a calling out of of bitterness. It may be a calling out of grumbling and complaining. And it's hard. When God shines the light in our lives, there's a part of us that goes, turn off the light. This is uncomfortable. I I, kind of like my darkness. I'm I'm happy here in in my bitterness. But God in his love, he'll, he'll turn on the light. He'll expose that darkness so that we can have greater fellowship with Jesus. So it's a prayer for fellowship. It's a, it's a prayer that, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, be at home in our hearts through faith. Being rooted and grounded in love. The third thing that Paul prays for is a comprehension of God's love. That we would be rooted and that we would be grounded in God's love. So two terms here. The rooted is with plants. The grounded is with buildings. And with plants, the roots go down and provide stability and strength, but also that's the source for the nutrients. And so for our roots are going to go into something. You're going to place your roots into something. And God wants our roots to go into his love, and the knowledge of his love provides us stability. Okay, These circumstances are causing some confusion in my life, but I know that God loves me. Boom, that's some stability, isn't it? Oh, I've sinned. I've blown it in a way that, man, grieves my heart and grieves the heart of God, but I know that God loves me and he forgives me. Boom, there's some stability in our lives. Oh, someone sinned against me. Someone close to me, someone that was a mentor, someone that I looked up to, they've wronged me, they've sinned against me, but... I know God loves them. Boom, we're we're rooted in God's love. Provides stability. But the love of God also provides the nutrients that we need. (laughs) To know that we're loved, to know that we're accepted, to know that we're forgiven and we have an eternal home with God. So that's the plant side of it. And then the building side of it is grounded. That that a, a building goes down to that solid foundation to be able to provide once again, the strength and s- stability. Are you familiar with the Millennial Tower in San Francisco? It's this huge high-rise apartment complex that was built uh, several years ago. I think, it, I believe around 2018 is when the first people uh, moved in. And the prices for apartments were, at that time, $1.6 million to $10 million dollars. And all of the hobnobbed bigwigs of society jumped on it, pro athletes, Google engineers buying up these apartment complexes, but something started to happen rather quickly, and the building started to sink and tilt. 
And in the first year, it sunk 16 inches and tilted 14 inches. I just read an article yesterday. It's still sinking. It's still sinking. And it's still tilting. Even though the builders, since the project has been completed, have invested $100 million to try to fix it. And the engineer that's in charge of trying to fix it was telling national news yesterday, if it continues to sink and tilt at the rate that it's going, pretty soon the plumbing and the electrical are not going to work. (laughs) And what happened is they put this massive sky rise, the foundation, into sand. Sounds pretty biblical, doesn't it? I think a really wise man said, build your house upon the rock, didn't he? And in life, if we're not grounded in the love of God, we're going to sink and tilt. More so now than ever. You're going to just start to feel your life sink. You're going to start to feel your life tilt. So it's so important to be rooted and grounded in God's love. The greatest thing that we can pray for one another and those that we love in this community is that we would be rooted and grounded in God's love. So this prayer continues to comprehend God's love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, and depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Paul desperately wants the church of Ephesus to know the dimensions of the love of God. Now, why would he put it this way? What is the width of God's love? What is the length of God's love? What is the depth of God's love? What is the height of God's love? This is expressed in the crucifixion of Christ. Well, the width of God's love is the arms of Christ spread open for him to be crucified for our sin. The length of God's love is that Jesus was lifted up upon the cross to pay the price for sin. The depth of God's love is that Jesus was buried for our sins. The height of God's love is that Jesus rose from the dead, that our sins are buried with Christ and we're risen in newness of life. This prayer for comprehension is one to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. This is so interesting to me where this prayer is in Ephesians chapter three, where it's sandwiched. I know that this will blow your mind, but it's here at the end of chapter three before chapter four. And the first three chapters of Ephesians is all about the love of God, who we are in Christ, that we're saved by grace, that we're accepted, that we're beloved, that we're, we're forgiven. And Paul just spends time writing of these wonderful truths of God's love and grace. And you can just picture him pausing and going, man, the church of Ephesus is not going to get this by me simply writing this down, by me simply communicating to this. I got to get on my knees and I got to cry out to God that God would do a supernatural work through his spirit that they would know that they know that they're loved by God. And this can only be accomplished through prayer to experience the love of God that passes knowledge. Think of it this way. Prayer is what bridges the gap between knowledge and experience. Because this knowledge is one that passes knowledge. 
you can think of it in a couple different ways. We can know about Abraham Lincoln, but we're never going to know Abraham Lincoln. But for those of you that are married, you know your spouse. You, you know your children, parents. And it's a knowledge that passes your mind and it reaches your heart. And that's what God wants us to know of his love. I believe that Paul knew this in his own life. How so? Because in Romans chapter 8, he said, I'm persuaded that nothing will separate me from the love of God. It's autobiographical. Not this, not that, not this trial, not this difficulty. Nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. I'm fully convinced nothing can separate me from the love of God. Can you say that? Is, is the love of God anchoring your soul? So it's this prayer to comprehend the love of God. What's the end result of comprehending the love of God that passes knowledge that you'd be filled with all of the fullness of God? <laughs> oh, isn't it so humbling on any given day, at any given moment, we're going to be filled with something I was trying to do some some plumbing in my house on Saturday and me and plumbing don't go together. And I could feel myself getting frustrated as it wasn't wasn't going well. Asking, Lord, would you give me some self-control? I got to back away from this. It's just, just a pipe. Sometimes the wrong person crosses you at the wrong time in traffic and it it just reveals, man, my, my heart is filled with flesh and sin and selfishness. If someone rubs you the wrong way as you're doing shopping or buying something at a restaurant and it pushes buttons and uh, sin rears its ugly head and the conviction, oh, I'm filled with myself. But yet there's other times where it's evident that we're filled with the fullness of God. And this is kind of mind-blowing that God who created the universe that's so vast and holy and perfect that he could come in our lives through his grace and his mercy to where we're actually filled with God. We're filled with this love of God. To now when we walk around, we're just overflowing on other people. The picture is here we're a cup and God's just pouring in his love, pouring in his love, and all of a sudden we get to the point where we're filled with the fullness of God we're filled with the love of God, the grace of God, and that just starts to spill out on our families, on our friends, on our, our community, upon unbelievers and believers. In Colossians, it says, for let your speech be seasoned with salt. And specifically, it says, with grace. Grace is the salt that we season our speech so that we would know how to answer. God's gracious with us, and if we know the love of God, I want to speak grace, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor than those that I'm around. Be someone who's life-giving with my words. I'm filled with the fullness of God. That, that takes a work of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we would season our words uh, with grace. So the last thing that Paul prays here is a prayer of, of fullness, now, I love this in verse 20. Now, to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. 
So sometimes we get kind of bold in prayer. We get kind of crazy in prayer. And we, we start to, to pray these things in. And we're like, Lord, would you just help my family, my, my friends, my, my church family, this community to know your love, to be strengthened in your, your inner man. And God's going, man, I can do so much more than you can even think to ask. More than you could ask or think. So maybe I thought it, but I didn't pray it. Either way, God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He can strengthen beyond what we would imagine. He can allow us to know the love of God beyond what we would anticipate. And here's the reason. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. As this prayer is fulfilled in the church of Ephesus, Jesus is glorified. A Christ-rejecting world is able to look on and say, wow, those believers are different. They have strength in their inner man. They have fellowship with God. They have fellowship with with Jesus. They're walking in in the light. They're filled with the fullness of God. They're filled with the, the love of God. They can't stop talking about the love of God. How good and how, how gracious God is. And, and Jesus is glorified. He's glorified in the church, which is us. A body of believers with Christ as the head. This stood out to me in studying this. In the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. All generations. This is how God wants to be glorified is through his church. Right now, in 2022, God wants to be glorified through his church to this generation. That the people of God could see the power of God, the love of God through a body of believers. Christ receives glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. What a powerful prayer that Paul prays. I want to give us opportunity as we close and as we come to communion Would you take some time to pray this in? Would you pray this in? Would you pray this for our church family, for our pastors, and and for our staff? I read an interesting article. It was a poll of pastors of their pastor's greatest need. So your pastors are being transparent about their their greatest need. 72% of them said their greatest need was to be more consistent in prayer. 68% of them said they needed God's help to be consistent in reading God's word outside of the text that they were teaching. Another 70% said that they needed fellowship. They didn't have, have friends. What I got from that article is what I know from my own life is we pastors are broken sinners, right? Pastors need to be strengthened in their, their inner man. So, so pray for pastors in regards to this. Pray for your church family in regards to this. I bet you have some in your life right now where you go, man, this is exactly what I need to be praying for them. And I'd encourage you, possibly it's this prayer or it's another prayer, is really make it a priority through 2022. Is pray this faithfully over those that God puts on your heart and know it. Man, I'm praying for them to have strength in their inner man. That Christ would be at home in their hearts. That they would know the love of God. That they'd be filled with the fullness of God. Just just pray it over them. Pray it over them. Pray Pray it over them. I know this is hard to imagine. 
but I wasn't really an easy kid to raise. And my mom and dad were faithful to, to pray for me and my brother and, and my sister. My mom's a, a, a tremendous prayer warrior to where I know tonight she's praying for this service. She knows I'm teaching and she, she's praying. She's just lifting this up uh, before, before the Lord. And I can look back at times in my life and see God's grace to answer my mom's prayers. I really believe that I'm in the kingdom because my mom was, was faithful to pray. And my parents did a lot of other things right, and of course they had their own shortcomings. But one thing they were faithful to do is to pray. And the Lord is inviting us to intercede. The Lord is inviting us to, to humble ourselves before him and intercede on behalf of others. But also, go get your daily bread. As Jesus taught us to pray, he said, give us today our daily bread. Do you need strength in your inner man? Do you need to know the love of God in a greater way? Believe that this is something that God has for us as a church in 2022, is to grow in prayer. So would you stand with me and let's pray together and we'll enter into uh, communion this evening. Father, we thank you that we're your sons, we're your daughters, that we're invited into relationship with you. And we do pray this over one another. God, would you strengthen us in our inner man by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I know there's weariness in my life. There's weariness in our lives. There's weariness in this community. And Holy Spirit, helper, would you come and would you strengthen our, our inner man? We ask, Jesus, that you would be at home in our hearts through faith. Jesus, we want you to be comfortable for our fellowship with you to be rich. Shed light on those things in our lives that grieve you, that don't glorify you. We want to turn away from those things. Father, would you be gracious to help us to be rooted and grounded in your love? that passes knowledge. Areas where we doubt your love. We, we pray this over Rocky Mountain Calvary, over our young people, college students, high schoolers, junior hires, all of the kids in children's ministry. May they know the love of God. We pray this over Colorado Springs for unbelievers. May, may they know the love of God that passes knowledge. God, we're oftentimes filled with ourselves and we want to be filled with the fullness of God. We believe in faith that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we would ask or think. In Jesus' name, amen.